Maybe you got stuff like Santa Claus. You know Santa Claus is actually real. How many of you know that Santa Claus was real? How many of you all know that? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not I'm not telling you this to get you like all hyped up, like then I'm gonna give you then I can't go back to writing letters. No, that Santa Claus isn't real, but there was a man called Saint Nick. Right, and so suppose they got into a heated argument. Now, I don't recommend this, but supposedly, St. Nick just slapped the old dude. And he was like, well, Jesus is half God, half human. And he just slapped the There the Lord's Christmas tree, right? Yeah! There it is. There's Lawrence's Christmas tree. Praise God. Come on, in all its glory. In all its glory. The new man tree. In all its three-foot glory. <laughs> But, so St. Nick slapped the heretic, right? So St. Nick slapped the heretic, that kind of rhyme. But yeah, so Santa Claus was real, he was a good guy, but he was a believer in Christ. You know, we're we're really getting into this uh, this idea, you know, we kind of talk about it Thanksgiving, right? But, you know, the world doesn't want to accept this idea of holidays being about Jesus, even though it was kind of founded on that. So in other way, we're always going to remind you of that. If you get annoying, annoyed, you know, just go back on, uh, what's that, ABC, when they play all the Christmas movies, just soak in on a, how many of y'all still have ABC, by the way? Marvel Plus. When I was growing up, I remember they would show all the Harry Potter movies. Some of y'all can't watch that, it's okay. They would show all the Home Alone movies, right? And that's kind of what Christmas was about, watching movies at times, you know? Watching movies, hot chocolate. But this is what I want to remind you, is that Chris, Christmas is really about the birth of who? Jesus, right? So this month, we're going to be talking about his birth, right? His, uh, the waiting for his birth, his birth, his life. Ultimately, we're going to be talking about that. We can put the slide on that holy night. We can put that slide on. Holy night. Can we all sing that just for a second? Holy the stars oh, are shining, yeah. right? Oh, y'all know that, right? Y'all know that. Hey, good to see you, though, by the way. We got a man who was hooping with you in the summer. Good to see you here. Brandon, you brought him? Well, of course, that's your brother. Right? Awesome. Then we got, where's, where's Nathan at? Nathan right here. Dan, the man brought him. That's Daniel. I don't know if I introduced him next time. Any other visitors here? We got Marco. Everybody in the house, welcome Marco. Marco Sarko. Either way, right? We're going to continue through this. If we go to Matthew chapter uh, chapter one, there's some things I want to talk about when it comes to Christmas. First of all, Christmas. When did it start? That was my idea. When did it start? Does anybody know when it started? It started around the same time that Saint Nick slapped the heretic. But right after that, okay, it was a national holiday. Uh, Emperor Constantine was trying to make everyone understand that Jesus is Lord, so he was making it a holiday in the Roman Empire. It wasn't always called Christmas. Sometimes it was called Nativity Day. Nativity Day, right? 
Anybody ever seen the movie with uh, with Natalie Portman? The Nativity? Nativity? Anybody ever seen it? No? All right. It's okay. You've seen it, right? Natalie Portman, old actress, kind of a has-been, but she's in Thor. She's coming back. But she had a story called The Nativity where she played Mary. The story really talks about, you know, the, the journey that she made as a pregnant woman to Bethlehem, right? But we got to understand this. First of all, that this is a true story. Yes, you have to start it off with that. This is a true story. A lot of people want to fictionalize it. They want to make it just about a moral story. Like this is something we can just look at and feel our goosebumps start to tingle. And we can just look back and get this feeling of nostalgia. But no, this is not just a story to make you feel good when you're young like Santa Claus. Okay, understand that. Santa Claus is set in the world where elves, right, they give gifts to children and there's magical reindeer and all that in a North Pole. That doesn't exist. This story is set in the real world with real people. So this is a true story. Get that through our minds. Let's get that through our minds. Next, there were actual people, real people, waiting for a Savior. When Jesus, before Jesus came, there was real people waiting for a Savior. Last thing we have to realize is that we ourselves are waiting for that same Savior. Understand that. Real story, real people waiting, and we're waiting for that same Savior. Okay? That's the title of the sermon uh, message is Waiting for the Savior. So firstly, Jesus, the story. The story about Jesus being born. Bethlehem, right, where you have the animals, you have Mary. This is a real story. A lot of people like to come out of nowhere. We got some of y'all in this room that think this way. I don't mean to offend you, okay? But this is not a pagan story, okay? This is not a story that was uh, that was made up to get you from worshiping Jesus to worshiping some other God. Next thing, right? The whole story of Jesus himself is not a copy of another story. When you get to college, maybe even high school, they'll be like, well, you know, Jesus, your teacher, man, your teacher that's so smart, you know, even though he should just stick to his biology degree, not get into theology. He needs to understand that Jesus did not get copied off of Horace or any of these other gods. This is an original story. Why do we understand that? Well, first of all, we don't freak out when myths have some similarities. Many people think myths well, Jesus copied his story off myths, or the disciples copied myths, and that's how they got the story. When you do the research, you'll see that people interpreting other myths came up with their idea of the myths after Christ had already resurrected. What that looks like is this. Let's say Brandon is telling Will a story, and Lawrence is eavesdropping. And Brandon, he's keeping it low-key. And Will's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. But Lawrence, he's... He's eavesdropping. Okay? So what he does is, yes, the, brand, the conversation between Brandon and Will happened. Okay? But Lawrence has a similar story. And he, he notices Brandon's story is really nice. So what he does is he takes parts of Brandon's story, puts it in his story, and says, this is my story. Brandon copied from me. See, that's what happens with a lot of world religions. Is that they try to take uh, components of Christianity... And they try to add it into their religion. Your professor needs to wake up. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So, this is what I have to realize. This is a real story. 
The story of Jesus did not originate in some dude that was chilling next to a donkey. Like, man, I wonder how a story about a Messiah would be, you know? Like, let's just, let's make that up, all right? All right, Jack. And then he's like, yeah. you know, no, he wasn't just talking to a donkey. It wasn't some shepherd dude chilling. No, this was an actual event that happened in reality. And we can go to Luke chapter, uh, sorry, before Matthew 1, let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 5. You see, because this story uses real people that actually uh, existed that we can trace back to that time. So Luke chapter 1, verse 5, mentions a man named Herod. Everybody say Herod. Herod. No, we're not talking about Harry. We're talking about Herod, right? Herod was a ruler, okay? He was a ruler in Rome, the governor. He kind of managed all the Jews so that they wouldn't get crazy. He would like... If they were trying to rile up, well, he'd be the person to go to. Usually, Herod was a uh, is a title, and in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. So it refers to a time. When it says in the time, that means the reader should know. Oh yeah, this this actually is that time. I know that time. So we have to understand what the biblical authors are doing. Is that they're just not saying in a, in a galaxy a long, long time ago, far, far away. They're not saying once upon a time in the North Pole, Santa Claus, no, no, they're not saying that. They're saying in a certain period of time that we can look back to, this happened, right? So understand that Jesus' story is not fabricated. It is indeed true, and it's not stolen. It is, you know, Jesus wasn't, you know, stealing other like Buddha. He wasn't going to Buddha like, man, I like Buddha. He's pretty cool. Let me get some of that. Man, well, I like Gandhi. Gandhi didn't exist. I like Krishna. Let me get some of Krishna. Man, I, I really like this uh, this Greek religion. Let me get some of Zeus and Hercules. Let me put it all together. Boom, I'm Jesus. That wasn't the story. That wasn't the story. Jesus' story was original. It was not fabricated. Even if there's similarities, right? Understand this, that there's similarities between lots of stories. It doesn't mean that one was stolen from the other. So if I told you a story about me falling down the stairs, it didn't happen. Okay, I'm just giving an example. I've fallen down the stairs a long time. If I told you a story that I did fall down the stairs, but then Lipney tells that same story in a similar way, right? Like, I was walking, and all of a sudden I tripped on my own feet, and I fell down the stairs. And she says a story like, I was walking, and I tripped on my own feet, and I fell down the stairs. Both those stories having similarities doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that they were inspired by each other or that they stole things from each other. When you get to stories like Jesus... Well, you have to understand, at surface level, a lot of things are similar. Jesus called himself the Son of God, right? Well, and and lots of religions, there were gods that would come down to earth, right? Like Zeus, get busy with some uh, some married woman, have a kid like Hercules. Well, that's the Son of God. There you go, Jesus copied Hercules. Well, no, 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 it's completely different. Because what does the Bible say? That it's not out of human consent. Or out of uh, sexual, you know, sexual intentions or anything. A man and a woman. It wasn't out of anything, but the will of God is the reason why Jesus came to be. So when you look surface level, there could be similarities. But when you dig deeper, you'll see that there's no, there's no comparison between the story of Jesus and these mythologies. Right? So understand that this is true. Next, real Jews. The Jews, they had been waiting for a Savior. We go to Matthew chapter 1. I did a sermon series not so long ago about... The story of the Bible, right? I did a story, basically, I, I, I said it in a story way, and I talked about seeds. Everybody say seeds. Seeds. So 
Remember the seed, right? Adam and Eve. They sinned. God sent, uh, God told them in a curse that there would be a seed, that the seed would crush the serpent's head. So this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, where it says the son, other translations will say this, the seed of David, the son of Abraham. And remember, Abraham was the first one to get this revelation of God after Noah. So Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez. Now I'm saying all these names to get you to understand how long they were waiting for this Messiah, this guy to come. So the father of Perez of Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amidah, Amidah the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salam, Salam the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And then Solomon, then Rehoboam, then Abijah, Asa the father of Jesuphat, Jesuphat the father of Jerome, Jerome the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Ammon, Ammon the father of Josiah. See that? And Josiah, the father of Jephthah, I don't know why y'all clapping, I'm going to breath. And his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. And after the exile, Babylon keeps going, it keeps going, let's just keep going. Keeps going. Boom, stop right there. Go up a little bit more. Verse 16. You see this? You see how long they were waiting? That is what genealogies were for. Why do you think they kept so many genealogies? Part of the reason was is because they were seeing the seed of the woman. So they were waiting for a long time. There were 14 generations, all from Abraham to David, then 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, then 14 from the exile of Messiah. Now, understand this, there's probably even more than 14. The reason why is that they select specific uh, patriarchs or matriarchs, matriarchs at this time to highlight the genealogy of Jesus. But that is how long they were waiting. If you go up a little bit more, sorry, stay on 16 and 17. So we finally get to Jesus, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Give a hand clap for Jesus. That's a little detail. A little detail. You see, people were waiting for a long, long time. If we go to my picture really quickly, the little uh, slide I made. It's not that spectacular, but it gets the point across. You see, they were waiting for this Messiah. Messiah is the anointed one, the chosen one. But there was many different uh, chosen ones from God. But they all didn't fulfill that duty. So the prophecy of the Messiah, there's a prophecy in Micah. This is before the New Testament. The Bible split in two testaments. You got the old and the new. Right? The old is before Christ came as a man to die for our sins. The new is that time and after. Before Christ came, it spoke about Christ in his first coming. And it says Micah 5, chapter 2, uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, says that there's a story about a king who's going to be born in Bethlehem, right? And it talks about this figure who's a Messiah, a Savior-like figure. Then there's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, and it talks about how a virgin will give birth to a child, uh, oh my bad, wrong one, that this, uh, this person will be born, a child will be born, and then a son will be given. And this son will be a wonderful counselor. He'll be a prince of peace. He'll be the mighty God. He'll, he'll be all these things. However, he's called a son. He's called a child. That's strange. 
So they're saying these things. They're like, okay, so the Messiah must be born in Bethlehem. We're going to wait on that. Okay, so the Messiah, he must be a child then, right? He's going to be born. But then he's also going to be given. Okay, so he must be something special. Then in Deuteronomy 18, 18, this is Moses. Moses is basically saying there's going to be a, a prophet that God is going to raise up among the Israelites. He, there's going to be a prophet, one that's better than him. But he's going to be an Israelite. Okay, so, all right, we're waiting for someone born in Bethlehem. He's going to be born, he's going to be given, and he's going to be an Israelite like us. Then Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says that he's going to be born from a virgin, and he's going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. It's no ordinary child, it's no ordinary person, but we know he's a person. Other verses say that God is going to be pierced, and then they will mourn for him as if someone mourns for their only child. Other verses say that he's going to be a suffering servant. So you've got all these prophecies. Everyone's like, okay, who is this Messiah? Who is this Messiah? Who's going to save us? And the reason why they were so desperate about this is because the Jews were constantly oppressed. You see, with the Jews, and you can kind of get this, right? How many of y'all ever made a mistake before? Raise your hand. How many of y'all, when y'all made that mistake, y'all never made a mistake? Oh, it's like, bro, okay, man. I gotta listen to you. You come up here, man. I gotta listen to you. Well, how many of y'all made a mistake? I made a mistake. I think everybody here can say they made a mistake. Some of y'all still make mistakes. Some of y'all after this might just make another mistake. How many of y'all made a mistake and then made the same mistake? Right? I mean, students right here, how many times can you be honest? How many times do we not study for a test, fail, and say, man, I'm gonna study next time? You don't study. How many of y'all procrastinated for a project that was due? And then the next day you're like, dang, I should start on this, right? Right? But we, have, we did it again. How many of us said, well, I'm not going to talk to this person no more. They hurt me. And all of a sudden they just slide to the DMs. You're like, what's up? You're like, man, not too much. What's up with you? Boom, back to talking with them. You said you weren't going to make that mistake. You made it again. The Jews, they were just like that. Really, they were people, sinful people. God, I'm, not, I'm gonna worship you and worship you alone. Golden calf. We'll worship this golden calf real quick, God. Oh, snap. Consequences of my sin. Oh, snap. I'm in captivity now. Oh, snap. God, forgive me. God frees them, sets them free. God, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna worship you alone. Same cycle, same cycle, over and over again, making the same mistakes. And their sin, a lot of times, would lead them into enslavement, captivity. So right now, when Jesus comes, guess what the Jews are under? Captivity. See, this is a real thing happening. You look up in history, the Jews were under Roman captivity. That means Romans ruled the Jews. And they told them what to do. Of course, they had some freedoms, right? But they were able to worship like they would. They were able to be their own people. So they said, okay, the Savior, according to this text, is going to save us from them. So they've been waiting for so long to be saved from their oppressors. Now, what needs to be understood is that this story being true, being real people waiting for the Savior, Jesus came among real people as a real person that could eat. 
that could drink, that would sleep, that would speak. Jesus came among them. So Jesus was born of Jewish descent. So we have to understand this, is that the Jewish people were waiting for a savior. The savior of their world, they thought, right? We're going to learn this month that Jesus wasn't just the savior of their world, he was the savior of the world, right? But they were waiting for him, waiting for him desperately, praying for him to come. Praying that he may come and save them from their oppression. Their world was torn apart. It was messed up. You think about being ruled over for hundreds of years, then being free, then ruled over again, then being free, then ruled over again. It's, it's rough. Where you're literally dirt compared to these people. And you think about it, you're like, man, okay. So now I can really think, understand why in the Bible, you know, they're so... They're so uh, particular about Christ. They're so particular about Jesus. They're so they're so like highlighted in him. You know, every time he does something that they don't agree with, they're like, "Wait, are you the Messiah?" Because they had been waiting so long for the Savior. Now, the Savior, we can't take him away from his story. So understand that Jesus only fits in his gospel. Only in his gospel. Only. In this setting, you taking Jesus out of his setting when he came, it takes away from what they were waiting for. However, there's something that we can relate to now, which is that right now, we're waiting for the same Savior. You see, our world is kind of jacked up, right? Our world is kind of messed up. I just saw people getting killed for their faith. That's something that's been going on. But now you have to understand that it's happening everywhere around the world. More than before, people getting killed for the Christian faith because the Christian faith has spread. I mean, more than before, is there slavery? You understand that? Do you guys understand that? Because there's women and children being sex trafficked all around the world, being sold as sex slaves. More than before. Because of this advancement in knowledge and technology, we're able to sin at a faster rate than before. The world is able to get jacked up at a faster rate than before. Think about how quick COVID would spread. Think about how quick that spread. Because airplanes. A disease would have spread like that back then. I mean, imagine if a, if a worse disease came out. That was kind of like the plague. The bubonic plague. That would kill people like instantly, right? The, I mean, we, we at least acknowledge, okay, this is kind of like the flu, but imagine if it was something worse than that, way worse than that, something that could literally, there's no hope at all. You're just going to die, that's it. Imagine how quick it was spread with airports. Imagine that. You see, this world is potentially, I mean, you think about the environment people, man. They're saying, hey, we only got 12 months or 14 months or something like that. We're going all crazy. Like, like, man, everyone's saying doom, doomsday, the world's dying, everything, man, people are crazy, everyone's racist, the government's this, government's that. And you're kind of like, man, you know, you're waiting for it to change. And this is what we have to understand as Christians, is that we're waiting for the same Savior. We're waiting for the same Savior. If you can go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 through uh, chapter 1 verse 10, you see Jesus... The first time he comes through a womb, right? 
We understand a child is given, right? A child is born, a son is given. But this time, he's going to come as king. And what he's doing, essentially, is he's finishing the job. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. And Lawrence, if you could come up, please. And it says right here, they tell, uh, this is Paul speaking to another church, they tell, like, turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is where wait. So, a lot of us need to understand that we are waiting. We are waiting for Jesus' return. Just like the people at that time were waiting for Jesus' first coming. We're waiting for Jesus' second coming. And he's going to come, and the Bible says, and then he's going to rescue those who are living for him, right? Where he's going to rescue those who have had their hopes in him. He's going to rescue those that are children of God. But he's going to judge the living and the dead. So basically, he's going to rescue those who belong to him and judge those who do not. He's going to fix the problems in the world. The issue is that most of the problems really have to do with people. People are the problem. And people have sinned and they're guilty. So Jesus is going to judge the guilty. The Bible says it's going to be, uh, that blood is going to be about, it's going to be a mile wide, I think, or it's going to be up to their knees. Right, up to their knees. The blood of people that Jesus was going to judge is going to be up to people's knees. Jesus is coming, not as a baby again, right? As a conquering king. He's the one that raised from the dead. He is the one that's going to rescue us from the coming wrath. But he's also going to be the one giving the wrath. Get that. That's, that's, the, that's the Jesus we're waiting for right now. Because how can a God, how can a Savior be so loving if he just lets sin go rampant and undealt with? You couldn't possibly be that loving. So Jesus is going to do that. He's going to rescue us from this wrath that he's going to allow to happen. The wrath that's been stored up for sin. Every sex trafficker, every liar, every thief, every murderer, every bit of per every person that has done something wrong, right? That has not said, listen, I've done something wrong. I give my life to Jesus. He saved me, right? Every person that has not repented of their sins, they're going to be judged. If you're amongst that number, you will be judged in his return. But those who have said, I call in the name of Jesus, Jesus, save me, change me, make me new. You will be rescued. You will be kept. You will be safe. So we must be waiting. And there was a story, I can't get there right now, but there was a story in, in Luke chapter 2 about a man who was waiting for Jesus. And I'll summarize it. He's waiting for the Messiah, right? He's waiting for the Messiah. At this point, they don't know it's going to be Jesus. They don't know. But they're waiting for the Messiah. And the Lord tells them while he's praying that you'll see the Messiah. You just wait, right? Just wait. So he's praying and waiting in the temple. And finally, Mary comes with Joseph. And they present him. Because that's what they did in their time. They presented him to the temple, the children of the temple. And he finally sees this baby. And he says, I've seen the face of salvation. Waited, he prayed. And this is something we can take from that is that 
While we're waiting for Christ to return, this is what we have to do. We have to wait, of course, yeah. But we have to pray and obey. We have to be prayerful. We have to understand what's going on in our world. As the people in that time were understanding what's going on in that world, we have to understand, okay, what the scripture says about Jesus coming back. We have to be ready. Just like at that time, they were trying to get ready. They were in prayer. They were fasting. They were like, okay, when the Messiah comes, I want to be ready. And you do too. You don't want to be caught sinning when Jesus returns. You don't want to be caught doing something that you wish you weren't doing when Christ returns. You don't want to be caught backslidden when Christ returns. Because I'm telling you, you will miss this rescuing. You will miss it. Because you forfeited. You rejected it. Everyone can stand up, please. So yes, the Christmas story is about Jesus' first coming, right? But we now understand because of this Christmas story, right, we can look to Jesus' second coming. He came once, right? And people that were not open, didn't see Jesus for who he really is, they missed him. And if we, right, don't listen to Jesus for what he really says, we're going to miss him. But there were people that prayed and waited, waited and prayed, and they were obedient to the Lord. They didn't see the sins of this world and say, well, man, if I sin a little bit, it's okay. I can always repent. Oh, I can just follow God later. No. Dude, they said, that's not even worth it right now. That's not even worth it. That sin, that we, that, that girl, that guy, this life, it's not even worth it. It's not even worth it. These drugs, not even worth it. Pornography, not even worth it. But Jesus, I'll wait for him. I'll wait for him. He's worth it. You guys can close your eyes, uh, close your eyes and bow your heads. The altar workers can come up. Listen, there's going to be a time where you can pray right now. But I want you to think about this. Are you waiting for Jesus? It's really simple. Are you waiting for the Savior? Is there something else that you're waiting for? Maybe that your hopes are in. Now, I'm not here to tell you waiting itself is a sin. Like if you're waiting for a doctor's appointment. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is think about this. What are your biggest hopes in life? What are the most important things to you? What are you waiting for with urgency? That at the snap, right? At the drop. At the moment that you realize that you can do this and then that would come, you'll do it. Without hesitation. If it's not Jesus, I'm telling you right now, you're in the wrong Wait for Christ. His coming is very soon. His return is soon. And if you are not ready, if you are not prepared, you will face a king that is bent on judgment. But if you are ready, if you have waited, you will face the master. And he will say, welcome. Come and share my happiness. For he will wipe every tear from your eye. Unspeakable joy now, you have a face to match that. 
the Prince of Peace, you have a face to match. Uh, face the master that you have now the Savior you've been waiting for. The joy of your life has been met and fulfilled. So if you don't, right, if you have not been waiting for Jesus because he just hasn't seen like he's been that poor to you, I ask you to repent. Take your hopes out of this world. Take your faith out of this world. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Be born again. Because the Bible says that Christ is coming back for the children of God. And if you're not born again, you are no child of God. If you have not been made new, if you have not been saved, if you have not been transformed and changed, where you're no longer the old person, but you're the new person, then repent, change your mind, turn to Christ. And for those that...